According to Tom Rainer, 6% of churches in America are effective in evangelism. Let's change the statistic. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. How are you doing today, Tim? Oh, man, excited to be here. This is good. It's so good. We are continuing a conversation we started last week with my friend, Pastor Leon Fontaine. He's the lead pastor of Springs Church, the CEO of the Miracle Channel, as well as an author and speaker. And man, Leon does everything, and he's really good at it. And he's really inspiring. Last week's uh, conversation was great, talking about being a general in this time and and leading with confidence in this time. Really, really a good conversation. We dive deeper today Mm -hmm. in this conversation. And in particular, we're going to take on, you know, probably some more hard-hitting thought issues that maybe we have thought as leaders but haven't been bold enough to talk about or even identify. And one of those things that we talk about is this idea of being reactionary leaders with a short game where we're reacting to what's happening right now, but also feeling the pressure and the need to be able to plan for the future and know our and have confidence in the long game. Yes. And if COVID did anything and the uncertainty of of this season and the craziness of not knowing what restrictions we're going to have to work with this week or today and what what's going to change and what you know how vaccines are going to work and not work and when things are going to open up and not open up all the uncertainty it makes long game planning difficult. Yeah. But I think it's put more pressure on us as a church to be able to to be long game strategist. So have you ever felt as a leader this tension between, okay, not being reactionary and I need to plan for what's best now, but also what's the long-term game? Yeah, I don't know about you, but through COVID, uh, we invented a pantry in our home because it was like, okay, what does tomorrow hold? All the TP's gone today. Will it still be there tomorrow? So we invested high into just stocking for the future. As far as leadership goes, absolutely in uncertain times, you you are busy spending time being reactionary and adjusting to the moment that you're in. But when you stay in that mindset and that in that frame of mind for so long, you end up getting down the road and realize, okay, it's time for this department to take a shift now. Um, and like you've been heard throughout my whole life, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So it was like, okay, so now we need to start strategizing for what does this look like long-term as a father I'm planning, okay, long-term church isn't just temporary for me and my kids. It's a long-term goal that I want for their right. lives as a leader. It's like, okay, long-term, we need to constantly be raising up leaders and in, and around with the people that we have around us and the spheres of influence. We can't, we can't play it by chance anymore. That's so true. I'm glad you're still at the pantry stage and not at the full on like cellar. You haven't dug not yet. Hole. Yeah, no, okay. no. Uh, <laughs> I still got a little faith. <laughs> That's good, but it, it's it's so true that we're we as leaders we need to have that long term. And I think as the church as a whole, mm-hmm. I think there's been a pressure on where the enemy seems to be very strategic in the short and the long term whereas the church we tend to be stronger in the short game and not so much in the, in the long game and yeah. we have big work to do yeah. and it's exciting times but we have a lot of work to do and so we dive into this and more in this conversation with Pastor Leon Fontaine so let's go to that conversation right now with Pastor Leon well, hey, Leon, welcome back. We're, we're into part two of a conversation we started last week. And for those of, of you listening or watching, you got to go listen to part one, but we're going to continue that conversation. We talked about last week about uh, just this call of, of you know, this we as pastors and leaders, we are created for the storm to lead in the storm where we, you know, generals need to rise up and in this time and all the rest of it. And we talked about the battle between, uh, between learning what we fight for and what not to. So man, let's just keep on with that whole thought and, and take this a little bit deeper. I mean, these are uncertain times for everyone. And I'm sure pastors watching or listening to our conversation, uh, last week can sense, man, we're still, fleshing this out ourselves like these are things that we're working through ourselves it seems like holy spirit's doing this for all of us so these are uncertain times for all you know for everyone but yet as it's no different for pastors or leaders but yet as pastors or leaders 
we need to be confident with where we're going, what we're doing, why we're doing it, because our people are watching us. So you talk to a lot of pastors around the country and around the world. What are, what are you hearing from pastors and what are they talking to you about right now? Most of what I hear is trying to find, they actually have the same questions, you know, that you're giving me because you're hearing the same thing. Yeah. It's like they're trying to find their true north as to what's my job. Um, you know, do I jump on every pastor who has a problem with the government and take his side? Do I, uh, you know, I got the one, every pastor has two groups in his church. It seems like one group is get up and fight. What's wrong with you? That kind of an attitude. Yeah. And they can't believe we won't come out publicly and denounce this and denounce that. And then we have the other side. They're looking at us going, you know, if you even go in that direction, come on, we are here. We're the church. We're never civilly disobedient. We never, and both are wrong. For every mile of truth is two miles of ditch. So true. And so we have to navigate that. And um, the bottom line is that both sides have some very good points. There is a lot of crazy things going down right now. I, I talk with leaders, doctors, scientists. We all have access to the world's most brilliant minds who have something to say about this, which is being censored. Yep. And one group feels like the government's doctors and scientists are smarter than the private world's private sectors, scientists and doctors. And they disagree. Yeah. So there, there's something going on. You got to be naive to have your head buried in the sand and think there's not. But then on the other side, do we want to dismantle our government systems? Mm. You know, if we are going to be civilly disobedient or whenever someone feels they should, and, you know, you've got to do it with a microscope, not a shotgun, because anarchy and lawlessness can rise up so fast. And I want a healthy country for my kids and my grandkids. So I want to be a part of the political process nonstop. And then if it requires something like being civilly disobedient, um, what, how, why, where, what, or why, and how are we going to fix it? Like, there's all these questions. And, you know, if, if you have to do an operation, do it with a scalpel, not a chainsaw. <laughs> and, uh, there's just too many chainsaws out yeah. there. And, and, and we are going to turn off in many cases, you know, the people we're supposed to reach. Now, th so, that's a really, really good point because that's the one thing that I, I measure all the time, and this is called GoCast because we're very passionate about going into all the world and preaching the gospel and preaching Jesus. And I think I mean, Jesus is the hope of the world. There's no other hope. And, and so that's the question that I go through every time. If I take a stand here, how is this, because how is this going to affect, you know, uh, people's relationship or perspective of Jesus. Because if it's going to, people are going to put me into a camp automatically because I'm a church leader, I'm a pastor, I'm associated with the church. And so they automatically assume who I vote for. They automatically assume where I take a stand on the virus or anything automatically. So if I take big stands, big bold steps, um, how would it affect, will they discard me? Will they, am I going to shut off people who I could potentially reach? And how do I, like, so, I mean, this, that's the, what I go through. I mean, that's, I'm sure it's, I'm hearing you say you're going through the same type of, type of things, but we wouldn't, pastors are asking you these questions. What, do we take a stand with this guy? Do we take a stand with this thing? Do we stand against the government? What, like, what do we do? I mean, what do you tell them? I tell them that, we need to, in every individual situation, use our heads, yeah. use wisdom. Yep. And um, that, you know, in my church, I've got liberals, conservatives, NDPs, and Green Parties. Yep. And how, and each of them has a very definite reason. Yeah. And so the human mind has its own set of priorities and experiences you know, if that guy went fishing and, and he started pulling deformed fish out of the river and his kids were with them and they started crying because these fishes are ugly and they got two heads and tumors everywhere, that's going to be burned into those kids that we need to look after our planet. So you just don't know where people are coming from, yep. why they think the way they do, but it's going to be from their experiences, the their worldview given to them by their parents, their upbringing. And 
We've got to reach them all. And so we must speak truth, but in love. And so this is not the time to get up and start, um, you know, our our monologue against the planet and we're going to come ride in our white horse and save everything. I think we've got to be careful because there's a complexity here. Yeah. And, you know, they always say don't talk about religion and politics because they divide so much. And, of course, we do talk about them. But uh, it shows you that right now families are divided. Yeah. Churches are divided. Uh, families have told me that my, 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 there's a half of our family won't even talk with us. Yeah. That is, so, yeah, that's a very big issue. Yeah. That's a real, so, I mean, talk to us about, cause I mean, spirit contemporary, that's, that's you, that's your, that's uh, this spirit contemporary is interesting. And I'm all on board. I, I'm spirit contemporary. I believe that to the core of my being, but it's hasn't contemporary shifted in the last year. Like how we're contemporary with the way the world is right now. So talk and, and say, I mean, that's the battle is going, okay, well, is this spirit or is this contemporary? Like where, like has contemporary shifted? Yeah. But contemporary, I think is a term that I needed to use to get people to think out of their box because Paul said this to the Jew, I'm as a Jew to those with the law is with the law to those. So as we present this Jesus to people, it's always um, what's the word? Does that mean to He's a liberal, not, I'm liberal? To an NDPer, I'm NDPer? <laughs> well, I think that when we talk with them, we have to. When I disagree with somebody, I'm, first of all, I, I never debate. Yeah, it's not it's not worth it. So, good. so I just smile and say, "Hey, you know what? You thought this through, you know." And I, it's such, we live in such a great country. We have yeah. we have we get to have our own conscience, get to believe what we desire, and. And uh, you're a brilliant person, and I'm just glad that we can have coffee, disagree, be neighbors, and still best friends, and yeah. and go play ball, even though we disagree about our beliefs. That's a foundational thing for me. Yeah, that's so good. So that if we don't have that, then there's no real ability to to talk. So contemporary means to me when I'm talking to a street person, what? How do I present Jesus to a guy with no house, no home, and he could be a little bit mentally challenged? Yeah. Um, when I'm talking to that lady who just had an abortion and she's a, just a blubbering mess and I talk to that hell's angel, I talk to this business guy who's a millionaire, like as we present Jesus, if you just do the Romans road yeah, or you just do the steps of salvation, I think that we, that we open our mouth and he begins to fill it yeah. as we speak to the felt needs of that person. Like Jesus did, he fed them first, healed them first and then taught them, um, or he taught, and like there's a mixture of that there. And so spirit contemporary is an ability to understand where that person is coming from and present in a way that, see, when we say people have broken hearts, we think we see a big heart with a crack in it. But if your dishwasher is broken, it doesn't function. Yep. And so when the hearts of people don't function, they're stuck in a, a belief system, a worldview that you can't change them from because this heart, which is where faith comes from, it's where you know love comes from. This is where you, the heart is where you sense and know things beyond the five senses of this world. So we're, we're an amazing being. So Christians and unsaved, I mean, yeah. It's so this spirit contemporary is far more powerful and greater, not because we change for everybody, because we sense Holy Spirit. And he's the most spirit contemporary force on the planet. That's what the word of knowledge does. The word of wisdom, discerning of spirits is focused on a person and just just knows what to touch and what to say that touches the heart of that person. Because if you touch the head, you just get arguing. That is so good. And really is presenting. And as the world changes, that our approach to bring, ultimately, it's just, it's a way to deliver and connect people to Jesus. And Jesus is going to bring the change. We can't. So we try to convince them to change. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> but we connect them to Jesus. Man, he's, he changes all of us and, and is changing all of us. And that's so powerful. So how, how do you think we as pastors, and leaders should be focusing, what should we be focusing on the most right now? I think that we, we have a society that is different. Today, they can get news anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. 
They can hear scientists anywhere in the world. They can do their own research from any doctors in the world. You can see uh, how, how Russia handles this, how Sweden handles this, how Florida handles this, how New York handles this. They can listen to our leaders and our uh, health care providers who are in charge and in seconds check out everything they say. Yep. So we are speaking to a very educated um, data gathering group the biggest issue is what is truth today and there's such a mix out there so i tell pastors you need to have a short game and a long game yeah and that long game is when can we we if we're talking to pastors we all know what the word says <clears throat> but the long game is you better be raising up leaders and if you're going to equip the saints you should be equipping politicians prime ministers uh multi-billionaires uh you know educators artists can our church present Christ in such a way that they rise up with these strong convictions? And can we pastor them through the different seasons of their lives? So I don't so think we, any of us have done a good job at that. So here we are, short term, what do we do? Um, well, vote, call your MLA, um, do everything in your can and creatively and strategically to keep ministering to your people as pastors, and every believer reaches out. We said, we talked about this a lot more last week, that the Church of Jesus Christ has always been the most sacrificial group in the world when there's emergencies. Yeah. We focus on more duties and responsibilities than we do on rights and freedoms. Now, both are important, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if you focus on rights and freedoms, and you haven't won the hearts of the people around us because we're not, you know, holding them when they cry and helping them do the funerals when they, you know, and, and, and help walk them through and every, anything they need so that we are caring for them and loving them. Then we're, if we're just a political right wing, um, and I'm not diminishing at all your political involvement, but as far as church, we, the church, that's the mandate. And so yep. the short game is, yeah, we're going to have to react to everything going on around us. If they say 15%, well, you're going to need to do seven services just to get everybody in your, and if some need to wear a mask, if they allow you not to wear a mask, even if they say no mask, some are still going to want them. Uh, we bought a huge big screen, jumbo screen, and uh, early just went for it. It's never coming down. Yeah. Um, even if we go back inside, there's going to be people with chemotherapy and people who don't know who we are who will continually park outside of there and look at that big screen as a halfway house into our church. So, the short game, long game, and I think if the pastors and leaders, even families, you better think this thing through. What's our short game? What's our long game career-wise and everything yeah. else? Yeah, so good. Now, you mentioned before, like, I mean, everyone has access to information and, uh, you know, we can we can access what every country is doing. We know immediately, you know, what scientists are saying, doctors are saying anywhere around the world. At the same time, everyone, all of our people in our church have access to any preacher they want around the world. So talk to, talk to pastors who are feeling that insecurity going, well, now, great. Now I got to compete with Leon Fontaine. Now I got to compete with, with, you know, Stephen Furtick or whoever else we want to put in there and go, uh, talk to pastors like, okay, but there's, there's so much more to what we do. So how do we as pastors, um, most, what, what can, what can pastors do? They don't have to compete think, with the best preachers, do they? No, I think that. If you look, like we make the mistake of watching television and social media, and we feel like the television and social media scores represent how good of a leader they are. Yeah. And <laughs> I think we need to be very careful. That's like thinking because Arnold Schwarzenegger is so popular, he would make the best governor of California. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think they're always going to be out there. I think there's always going to be a percentage of the church that doesn't want to plant, doesn't want to get rooted. Uh, they want to be served. Yeah. And rather than come in and serve, so if you can't transition somebody from, you know, um, you're ministering to them with the purpose of getting them. It's not what the church can do for you. You are the church. What can you do yeah. to help us? So that, and then the other thing I think that I've never, well, you and I have talked about this. Let's just say it. I've never met a more insecure group than pastors. 
I don't know why that is. Yeah, that's um, so true. But when you meet someone who's just secure in Christ and they stay in the lane that they're called to, I mean, anytime I want to feel discouraged, I can go to any of my friends and, you know, like Brian and Bobby and Casey and the list goes on and on. Yeah. Uh, and Matt and Lori, and they in their lane, I can't touch them. But in my lane, they can't touch me. So yep. I'm going to stay in my lane yep. and keep my face forward. And if I meet with them, I'm going to encourage them because we are all one body. And so I don't, I think pastors have reasons why they don't grow their churches. Yep. And I think you're lying to yourself. If you are a pastor, then there's something beautiful and special inside of you. Absolutely. It'll never come out if you keep comparing it to somebody else using their gift. Well, that's, I think that's the biggest root of the insecurity is that comparison trap of wanting to compete and saying, well, I have to preach like Leon or I have to lead like, like we just, we just fill in the blank and I have to be this. But I mean, you can't replace for the people in your congregation, you can't replace you know, laughing with them, crying with them, marrying them, burying their family members, you know, loving them, caring for them, equipping them, just like you've been saying, equipping them to to do the work of the ministry, whether that ministry be in the church or outside the church. That can't be done um, by watching YouTube or TV or no. social media. That I mean, that's and every one of us has has got has been called by God. If we believe, if we're doing this properly, we're, we we should be doing this because we're called by God. That doesn't get taken away whether or not we're on TV or on social media or we're the next big name and we've got the biggest church on the block. It's true. I, th I think what hurts or what a lot of pastors are worried about is this massive move of money towards the most celebrated ministries. And some people on TV are amazing at m manipulating money yeah. out of our people's pockets that the local church needs to thrive. Yeah. So that guy's not gonna bury your grandmother or marry your daughter or counsel with you through a season of hard in your marriage, but yet people will write huge checks there. and. I often tell pastors, you need to have faith in this area of finances and you need to have a plan. You need to figure out your funnel and, and each person coming to your church and how do you train them, equip them? How do you touch them? How do you move them into a place where giving is a vibrant, beautiful, exciting part of their life? But most people won't touch it because they, they're going to get called. You just want my money. Um, everybody does. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, ultimately, it comes down to whether we believe as pastors, as believers, if God is our supply or not. And the other thing is that whatever you teach in your church is what faith rises for. Whatever you don't teach in your church, then yep. as a corporate body, there's no faith in that area. Yeah, so, so true. if you're uncomfortable teaching money and, and the favor and the blessing of God, um, you're going to have always have troubles in the areas you're uncomfortable with speaking about. So good. So true. All right. For uh, our remaining time here, I want to, I want to push into um, your spiritual gifts a little bit. I mean, you're, I've always admired about this, but you're incredibly discerning. Um, I get um, calls from you on a regular basis. And the first question out of your mouth is, is typically where uh, I'm wrestling with or God's doing something in me. And I'm like, how did you know? Anyway, but you're incredibly discerning. You're very prophetic in this. What is your, your private time with, with Holy Spirit? And, and that is, uh, I always admired that about you. Very, very powerful. So what is Holy Spirit talking to you about right now? I think that the greatest opportunities we have ever seen, we are in right now, and they're going to get better. Mm. I believe that God causes all things to work together for good, to them that love him, who are walking out their calling, etc. Um, but as I superimpose the fears and the powers that be in today's society that have raised their head up, and we superimpose that on the the next number of years, who would have ever thought that health organizations would run the world? Yeah. No one prophesied that. Yeah. You know, um, and so 
it's a brilliant strategy because the enemy is always the one at the very root who kills, steals, and destroys. So let's get an agreement that this virus or the cure or whatever this is, this, this season is killing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, stats are showing us that there are more dying from the, from the cure than from the virus. It doesn't matter which way you want to look at this thing. Yeah. The enemy is behind this. Yeah. And so his strategy, you know, is, is, is quite something when you can touch people's greatest fears, which is dying, being sick, losing my life. Because the way to control a group of people or an entire country is to create fear, great fear, and then be the solution. And even if you're not the solution, have one so well thought out that they can't even follow you four or five or six or seven stages down, but you confidently, we're going to change this. That's been the way many leaders have risen to power in democracies and every other area. And so as I look at this fear and how it is rampant, um, Mm. I think we need to recognize that the people that we're reaching for Christ in the future are going to have fear. They're going to vote that way. They're going to imprison you that way. They're going to come against you that way. Why? They're afraid for their life. So. You need to be thinking that through as you do church, as you reach people, as you prepare messages, as you figure out how to look after their kids if you can gather, and how to meet the needs of those stuck in incredible fear, those partially fear, those who aren't quite sure, and those there's no dang way they're going to wear a mask. This is all ridiculous. So we we are reaching an eclectic group of people on this graph of fear for your life. When someone's afraid for their life, there's not much they're not going to do. So in different countries with different forms of government, the Church of Jesus Christ is going to have to have answers. Yeah. Here in Canada, we, I think we need to be very careful coming forward to fight something because I've always known this. I make great decisions as a leader when I have good facts. Yeah. And if I don't have all the facts, I make lucky decisions. Right. Um, if I got some facts, I can make poor decisions. And so, so good. The church needs to stop being reactionary, except when you have to. Yeah. And start getting back to our mandate. So, what I see ahead is, I think that evil we know it, it grows worse and worse. Meaning there is a percentage, and I think it's. I don't think it's like the whole world is is demonically possessed. No. If the devil was that powerful, then just that beautiful mom and dad living next door who don't believe in Jesus and they're atheists, but they love each other, they raise their kids. So Satan's not as powerful as we think. He's yeah, been yeah. defeated. But people who are so selfish and self-centered, um, it gets worse and worse and worse. And then we've got the believers. And then in the middle are all these people in the valley of decision. So I think we're going to lose churches. I think we're going to uh, we're going to have a complete new ways of ministering. Um, I think they'll shut down this. We'll open up that. They're going to t- they're trying to take us off YouTube's uh, social media. Yeah. You can be there if you you know in the future if you can be bland, you'll be okay there. And so we're going to have to have as believers raise up and find. You know, if we can't use Amazon servers and Google servers, and we've got a ton of great people solving these problems. So there seems to be a complexity that is in our world that the church thinks we just pray, read the red, and God answers our prayers. And I think that's very naive. I think we need to strategize. And I think that, Mm -hmm. yes, there are times when God will speak to us like Gideon who rose out of absolute fear and with being outgunned, being outmaneuvered, being out everything, God gave him one strategy and that strategy took them all out. So this thing called spirit contemporary that we talk about is crucial. I want my people praying, reading the red 
you know, and, and believe in God for the miraculous, but most of his miracles come through us. Yeah. And so, you know, everyone might say this or they might not, but I look ahead with such confidence and believing that, you know, all of his promises work for protection, for health, for healing. Yeah. And as we deal as a church with fear, if the fear is unrealistic, we're going to have to move people in a direction that says, is that a realistic fear? And let's look at it. You have the right to believe what you want and all the rest. So, yes, we're going to have to have television shows that bring the whole truth out. Yeah. You know, we're going to have to, you know, there's always going to be someone. Jesus said that they hated me. They're going to hate you. So there's always going to be a group. They're going to be haters going to hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I see a, a level of pastoring and church influence that can be stunning if we really are salt and light yeah. and we're not just religious. Religion is awful. Religion is just destroying things. And so there's going to be a change as to who the church looks to for leadership. Yeah. Just because a guy can do a good TV program isn't going to be the, the general's going to walk you through what's going on. Um, we're going to find incredible giftings in the body of Christ who can, who have never been seen before, maybe politically, maybe business-wise, maybe in healthcare. And as these gifts rise up, we need to recognize that if they're born again, this is the church. Yeah. And we need to figure out how to help them in the short game, in the long game, as we said earlier, we're going to have to be raising these people up. So when I look at our short game right now, which is one moment when we did drive-in, you can roll your windows down. Next week, you couldn't. Yeah. The week after that, you can sit to the right of your vehicle, but you couldn't have your trunk open. And then <laughs> you could use the bathrooms and walk there from your car. And then another week, you couldn't. Our coffee shops could be open if you wanted to get a coffee and take it to your car, and then all the coffee shops are closed. Yeah. And yeah. then, so in this short term, we are literally in meetings, tons of meetings to comply with the government's best shot at trying to contain this situation and to work together with them. Yeah. Um, and we just found incredible creativity, um, uh, the sense in our church of, of, wow, look what God is doing. So I think that we're all going to have to, you know, rise into that, into that zone and then have this long game. So ahead of us in these uncertain times, um, yeah. I get tired of hearing that because it's an excuse for bad service and, yeah, and yeah. no food on planes or exactly. whatever they're using that term <laughs> for. Um, but when I, what, what, what's inside of me is I was born for the storm. Yeah. Every leader is born for the storm. So any grade 12 graduate could lead any organization in times of peace and prosperity. Yep. But in times of storm, it will require capacity. It will require faith. It will require wisdom. It will require having thick skin and a soft heart. It will require hearing from God and sometimes going against sense wisdom. Um, and so I'm looking ahead going, man, are we going to see incredible leaders rise up? Yeah everywhere they're going to rise up because it's the answer. And when we are like Elijah and we go, I'm just here by myself. We all feel alone. We all feel compartmentalized. Yeah. Um, God says, I got 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. That's what I see in the local church. And uh, then there's going to be others that, yeah, if they, if they don't get a sense of faith, they're going to go. So I don't think anybody can tell you exactly what the government's going to do because fear uh, and our, there many of our leaders are struggling with fear, too. Yep. It's not always going to make the wisest decisions, but we still have to do our best to work with them if, if we can. That's so good. Man, it's so, so, such gold in, in that. Uh, there's something that, that stood out to me as you're, as you're talking is, you know, the church tends to be reactionary. And I don't want to give, you know, power, any more power to the devil than, than um, is necessary. And I don't believe he's all, all that that everyone cracks him up to be either as powerful as we crack him. But... He's he plays. Uh, he's very um, cunning in in a way in that he plays the short game well and he plays the long game well. And one thing that I think maybe we need to adjust in the church world, the pastors anyway. This is maybe just me, or 
uh, but I, I see this around the church. But we're very good at the reactionary game. We're we're pretty astute at the short game. We can make the the adjustments there. But the long game, the patience for the long game and the long game, I would see as a general weakness for the global church, that we're not the greatest at the long game. Uh, would you agree with that? And, and how, what would you see? How, would, how, do we, how do we change that? I had a talk with a number of pastors who are very strong, teaching a lot about end times. By that, they mean this, you know, their, their look at the devil rising up, the Antichrist, the false prophet, the harlot, the horseman, and their version of it. Yeah. And there's a ton of versions of it. Yeah. And they said, but Leon, Jesus is coming back. we got to be ready for Jesus to come back. I said, I agree. I'm ready. And whatever version is right, I'm going to walk out. Yeah. If a trumpet blows and we're all gone, he won't leave me behind. Yeah. But I said, I can ask you a question. If you knew that you knew that we're going to be here for another 300 years and all the generations of your grandkids and great, 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 great grandkids are going to be here living in your country, would that change the way you lead? They didn't have an answer. Mm. I said, the Bible has these, it's a paradox. Be ready to leave today. Yeah. Occupy till I come. Yeah. And occupy, that word doesn't mean sit in your house with your dried food and your rifle and wait for Jesus to come back. It means do business. And when you look at the biblical standpoint of doing business, we're supposed to be the head and not the tail above and not beneath. We're supposed to prosper. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just um, leadership. Like, I mean, I could just that that's there. So true. And so that to me is a big deal. So I think that's so good. The early church leaders, when you read it and Jesus said, hey, you know, I'm going to come, they literally believed that he was coming within their lifetime. They thought he was coming then. And yet, the wisdom they had in preparing uh, the church for, for generations, to I mean, thousands of years have expired, and we're still here, and we're still prospering and still growing strong and stronger than ever. Um, that The wisdom in that is amazing, yeah. Yeah, I think that like, I don't want to lose the freedoms and the privileges that we have. So I'm going to do everything in my power. I don't want to go back to Russia and Stalin and hiding in the bush to do church where you're being killed for your faith. I don't want our country to but go hey, back. You could do that. You've like, preached in minus 41 outside. So, hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> like, like China. Yeah, and, yeah you know, so true. And these places are like Egypt, where some of the caves that some of the churches met in. I don't want to go back to that. To me, that's retreating. Yeah. And we've got all these people who say, "Yeah, but the you know the blood of the saints and the martyrs is is the fertilizer for the church." I forget how all the different ways of saying. It. I go, "Oh, absolutely, I get that." But that's our goal. Yeah. Really, we're all training to kill each other, to be killed. Yeah. There's no success in that if we're more than conquerors. And I get the fact beautiful, amazing men and women have given their lives in countries around the world. And, and I'm, I'm going to hug their neck when I see them in heaven. But that's not a good strategy. Let's reach Canada by all dying. Or let's reach <laughs> Canada by all going to jail. Yeah. Um, now, if required, he will give us the strength yeah. to handle whatever he calls us to do. But my strategy is a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And it doesn't mean just when Jesus appears yeah. or some millennium. Um, I believe that we are the head and not the tail, but this is the victory that overcomes the world. It is our faith. I believe that the wisdom of Solomon can, you know, when we look at the New Testament, which a lot of, and we, we need to, because we are new covenant people. Yeah. Um, but all we see in the New Testament is basically 12 traveling evangelists, you know, getting the church to the world. But you go to the Old Testament, which is still there, and you just take it through the cross, you see countries being built and cities being conquered and them over. So we've got to holistically, to some people say, go to the Old Testament. Other people say, get in the New Testament. Um, and so when when you're in love with Jesus and you're fellowshipping with him and you're in the word, Holy Spirit is guiding us into strategies and thinking. And, and every time I go into the word, I just feel so excited. There's just this excitement. Yeah. There's just this strength. And then when I stay out of the word, I have to say this. There seems to be 
a a stronger darkness that I can slide quicker mm. into fear. And I think it's just because that fear, like the Bible says when you enter a house, say, peace be on this house. If it enters and stays, stay there. If they don't accept it, it will come back to you. Yeah. So when we win people to Christ in a country, in a city, in a town, we have a corporate peace, joy, and prosperity that you can even sense with your emotions, but where more and more people become fearful and where fear rises up, then you have to be able to hold that off. When you're around 10 amazingly happy guys and you're on a camping trip, they all love God, love you. Uh, even if it's not a spiritual outing, it's fun. Go out with 10 guys who are filled with fear and anesthetizing that with all sorts of addictions and drugs and alcohol and, and porn and you name it. And then you try to hang with them. You will have to yeah. stay in the word. You know what I mean? So to me, there is that for our pastors. It, you are going to be swallowed up by fear. Now, you might not realize it's fear, but it's worry. Yeah. And, it, and so I'm not I'm not terrified of anything. Good. What's that constant worry? How much do you laugh around your kids? Yeah. How much do you belly laugh and and chase your spouse and get around people? You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The best weapon we have is to get up and live for God with joy and peace. And the world's going blessed means happy, fortunate and to, to be envied so now as never before if we're going to reach our neighbors get up with confidence and joy and excitement and happiness and the world is looking for a leader and there aren't any much that they're going to look at so could the church yeah. rise up in this vacancy and go what have you people got no it's not religion so man we're in a, in, in a sweet spot right now if we take that right path so good man i sense so much excitement uh in you and and for the church and and in yourself for the future all, all the rest of it i, I anticipate the same thing uh, this has been so good uh is there anything in closing is there anything that i've i haven't asked you that you wish i had <laughs> let me end with my devotions right now okay great faith comes from two steps. The first step is you better know the legal side of your relationship with God. Mm. And so do you see his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father? The new covenant is all wrapped in not the historical Jesus, but in the revelation of what took place when no eyes could see it at his death some things took place that brought in a new covenant. And that new covenant, you are a new covenant man. What is yours as an inheritance? What's the power? Who are you? What are you? Who is God? What is God? Who is the devil? What is the devil? You'd better just dive in and your legal, which is relationship. You know, you're married. There's a legal relationship there. You're in business partnership, legal relationship. Um, and, and But now fellowship is where the greatest faith comes. So relationship, I must continue to stick to his word to realize who I am, what I am, what I can do. You know, legally in the courts of heaven, God is over every government going, this is who I am. And then I maintain this sense of legal relationship, and then I need to fellowship with him. In the fellowship of Holy Spirit, he will show me things to come and he will teach me what I need to know. Jesus said to his disciples, I have so much to tell you, but you can't bear it. So we are all looking for reasoning to help us make our way through and we should. But then there's the most exciting side of us, which is the side that moves mountains topples kingdoms, raises up the church, um, brings down demonic activity, which is behind some evil leaders. Now, this fellowship with him is where faith has its most powerful expression because faith worketh by love. You know, faith, this verse doesn't say faith worketh by your legal relationship now, but it does. I can prove that, but it's saying love. And so, Every person watching, your, the word of God better be powerful to you because there is within you a whole new set of senses, the five senses 
that you you monitor this physical world. But then when you became born again, you have an ability to monitor the physical world, the spiritual world, the mind of God, the, 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 the lies of the enemy, his direction coming at you from multiple places. The gifts of the spirit function out of the fellowship sharing life together, knowing him. And when the gifts of the spirit begin to move, it's a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. How about the working of miracles that takes out a, oh, you know what I mean? Like in this, to all you spirit filled people out there, like recognize the arsenal, but it comes from relationship and fellowship. So good. And that brings a whole depth of meaning to the verse that says that it's, it's love that casts out all fear, which do we ever need that more than ever? It's more than just the legal. It's amazing to me that the church and pastors today are, are living in fear at all and going, okay, well, we can, we can have the legal establishment of our, our, our faith and, and all of that, but the fellowship, that love, that's what's going to chase away that, that fear as well. That's so good. I think that we could talk one day, maybe we want to, we can, we can talk about strategies with buildings and finances and how to reconfigure ministries that can do this and can't do that. But if we do all of that and leaders don't have these two things, you'll still be outmaneuvered. So true. And so here, then there. So good. So powerful. And Funny enough, I know this is a big shock, but uh, th- that's happening in your devotion time as well. And uh, that is in, in different verbiage, but that has been uh, exactly what God's been working on me as well. And actually, I got a series coming up at Easter and right after that is exactly that. Like to, to me, in that whole that whole thing, that whole revelation, what you're just talking about, uh, to me, I'm going to be teaching through the book of Job as well because the book of job is always one of those confusing books like why is this in the bible what a weird story but in the midst of it there's a verse that really stood out to me is job 42 verse 5 and it says you know job 1 1 says that he was the most righteous man upstanding man like nope there's not too many people in the bible that were bragged about as as upstanding as job and yet he went through all the trials anyway um meaning that he it wasn't because he deserved it but in it, as upstanding as righteous he was, he said himself in 42 verse 5, he said, he says, I, I, ha, I have known you, but he says, or he says, I knew about you, but now I know you, I see you. And it was like, now I've, my eyes have seen you. And I think that's the transition word to the next level of fellowship. And that transformed his life and the outcome of his life. And man, anyway, powerful that stuff. So good. So good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Leon, for your time. This has been gold. This is amazing. I'm sure pastors and leaders have enjoyed this and are going to want to listen to this over and over again and sense the faith and feel the faith building up. And so thank you so, so much. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, I think one last thought to pastors, listen to each other. Mm. Like pastors are the worst at, uh, I don't want to listen to another preacher, but I think we should. I think we should hear what God is saying to other men and women that we respect and in our own areas, etc. cetera. Uh, so, you know, I think it'd be a, I think that, yeah, Cole is start listening to others as well. You're not the only woman or man of God and we need to hear each other. Yeah. To him who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying. Cause you can hear it in God's doing saying the same thing to you, man. That's just confirmation that, okay, that is the spirit oh. talking. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. So talk to you, Kelly. That's awesome. Thanks so much. Wow, what a, another great conversation with Pastor Leon. And again, man, that that's he's dealing with heart issues here, mm-hmm. not just practical how-tos, but lots of encouragement, I, I think correction a little bit for all of us in how to grow stronger as leaders and really in this time how we really do need leaders to rise up and how we as leaders can be those people to rise up. And that's really about what's happening in us as much as, as what's happening yeah. around us. So what was your big takeaway? What's so to you? Yeah. So Pastor Leon, of course, author of the book, The Spirit Contemporary Life, he actually gives us a different con- a definition of contemporary because in my mind, contemporary means relevant. But uh, the way Pastor Leon 
describes it as more of what's most effective in the moment. And so he dives into this whole discussion about devotion and how our our contemporary really relies on our intimacy with God and being mm-hmm. able to allow Holy Spirit to speak to us in the moment. And when we do that, it's not forced. It's actually very genuine and people respond almost immediately. So uh, just being able to be contemporary, but not freaky Christian at the same time. Yeah, and I love how he said, you know, press into fellowship with mm-hmm. with, with God, with Holy Spirit, and, and, and really there's a strength that comes from there that allows us to be contemporary. Uh, the closer we get to God, yeah. I'm amazing. I also love the one thing that stood out to me too is he said, you know, he talked about pastors and we as pastors, but I love the statement he said that we as pastors need to listen to one another. And in this time, I think it's so important for us as pastors and leaders to be communicating with one another, listening to one another. We're all in this together. We're yeah. all on the same team. And we really do need one another to, to sense where God is going, where the church is going. And so at GoCast, we'd really love to have that conversation with you, hear what God is saying to you, what what's resonating with you, where you sense uh, God is taking you and your church and your city uh, and feedback that you have for us. We'd love to have that conversation, continue that conversation, and to be a community where we can kind of gather together and yeah. safely communicate with what God is saying. So how do people connect with us and continue the conversation? Absolutely. So GoCast can be found on any of the major podcast playing platforms, as well as Facebook, Instagram, GoCast.ca, and YouTube. Awesome. And please don't just watch these episodes or listen to them on the podcast platforms. Again, we'd highly encourage you to continue the conversation. We want to hear from you as well. Next week, we have a great conversation with my friend and pastor, Pastor Kevin Gerald of Champion Center Church in Tacoma, Seattle, Washington, and an amazing, amazing leader. But he talks about, he talks with pastors a lot uh, around the world and leads and pastors, pastors, and he talks about some of the things that we're seeing in pastors and leaders in 2020 and going ahead in 2021. So here's a snippet from my conversation with Pastor Kevin Gerald. I really, I really found out how different the kingdom is mm. than the world, and the the kingdom way, uh, God's way of doing things, became a real obvious uh, different. You know, there was a differentiation that happened in my mind that became so obvious that I don't really see in the normal. I hadn't really seen in the normal scheme of things this kind of differentiation. Wow. I, knew we were, I knew we were God's people. I knew we were church people. I knew they weren't. We were. We went to church. They didn't. Some things like that. But it became very apparent to me how different church people were, God's people were, kingdom people were than the world. And then it became apparent, and this isn't completely positive, I guess, but that there were people who go to church that were not yet kingdom-minded. And so some of that was a real, um, Mm. I don't know, wake-up call for me, I guess. You're not going to want to miss next week's conversation with Pastor Kevin as we hear from him what pastors are saying all around the world, what they're seeing and sensing in this time. It is very, very enlightening, and I know it'll be encouraging, strengthening, and hopefully give you confidence going forward. Don't miss that conversation next week with Pastor Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us at GoCast. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.